Welcome to Credit Hour, a weekly thought-provoking conversation with the brightest minds from the University of South Dakota. They get the credit, we ask the questions. This is Credit Hour. This week on Credit Hour, we speak with USD alumnus John Baring about his career in Hollywood as a director, producer, and cinematographer. John, how's it going this afternoon? Very, very well. How about you? Good. Um, you know, we're really excited to talk to you, if only because we know that you're in a warm place right now. <laughs> um, you're based out in L.A., correct? Yes, that's right. Uh, I am. I've lived here for about 30 years, and uh, let's see, it's uh, 73 here outside what what's the temperature where you are well i i think the last time i checked i think i said uh i think it's like negative 12 but with the wind chill it feels like it's negative 30 so (laughs) i'm so sorry to rub that in yeah Um, but apparently there's about a hundred degree uh temperature (laughs) difference between where you are and i am so uh uh, let's let's set that aside for the moment (laughs) no now you got um your bachelor's degree and a master's degree at USD in the 70s, correct? Yes, that's right. Well, how, how did you get into photography initially? I, I mean, it's an interesting art form to me because it's so analytical. Yeah. Um, what attracted you to it? About it? Um, in part, it was just sort of luck. Uh, I won a plastic camera in a little Minneapolis Tribune subscription <laughs> contest uh, when I was eight. And uh, my dad set up a dark room in the basement of our little house in Canton, and um, I just found that I walked around uh, always looking and seeing and sort of uh, composing images in my head, and through the course of of growing up um, was always, always, always taking pictures. And through that, uh, I ended up going to uh, USD and finishing, like you said, with a bachelor's and a master's degree. And um, and while at USD, I did a photo essay in Vermillion uh, at a retirement home or a nursing home that was there. And, and while working on that project, uh, sort of documented um, some pretty tragic uh, uh, images that showed kind of the state of, of uh Today we would call it abuse, elder abuse, or just uh, just tragic uh, lack of care that was happening at the time in this one particular uh, nursing home. And these images were I printed up, and and they were on display at um, at the student union. And the news director, Bob Lawrence from KCAU down in Sioux City, saw this, and uh, he was moved by it and and thought that I should come down and and meet with them down at KCAU in Sioux City. Uh, I did, and uh, I went down and and met uh, George Lindblade, the legendary uh, filmmaker and photographer and and, uh, cameraman and artist, George Lindblade, down at KCAU. And and, uh, so I worked simultaneously for them and finished my master's at uh, USD. You know, you talked about when you kind of embraced photography, it was that constant seeing and looking. I picked Mm -hmm. up photography, and I want to say I'm an amateur, so I don't want to oversell myself here, but a a couple of years ago, I think for me, what I noticed is just a kind of shift in 
my perception. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I just felt like I was so much more aware. Yeah. You know, even when I was not taking photographs, mm-hmm. um, I was more in the moment, in my surroundings, more kind of aware just of my presence. Yeah. How is that something that you noticed as you picked up photography, or, or were you kind of always like that, and you just thought that photography was a medium that you could kind of exercise it? Yeah, I was always like that. Uh, I had and always have had a, sort of a... <laughs> I don't know, a sensibility uh, in terms of my own life, my own finite life, my own mortality. And I have felt all along uh, like I wanted to uh, sort of maximize or optimize or just experience as much of this of this uh, rich opportunity of life that I could. And uh, through photography, it, it allowed me uh, sort of a medium of of uh, expressing and making contact and, and creating uh, images that sort of acknowledge that. I, I mean, in part, there was one photograph that I took uh, that really sort of was a pip- an epiphany for me when I was about, I don't know, uh, in my early teens, maybe 12, 13. I took a photograph, actually maybe younger, I took a photograph of my family in our tiny little house in Canton. And here's my dad, who worked at the uh, Morales plant in Sioux Falls uh, for 27 years, worked very, very, very hard. Uh, my mom, uh, who was young and gorgeous, and, and uh, my young, two younger brothers sitting at the kitchen table. And I took a picture of this family, uh, this image. And when I looked at it later, I realized that it it told a story. It captured a moment, and it was, uh, for me, it was a, a celebration of the fact that uh, this, at this time, at this moment, in, and that the time would pass, and, and it surely has. And my mom is now 85, and my dad is has been gone for five years now. And uh, so for me, it was a, I realized that photography was a time capsule and I was able to uh, document my life and those around me um, through it and tell stories with images. And uh, I found that I had a, a knack for doing that. And then really that is what I do uh, day in and day out with my movie cameras and, and with my still camera. You know, you, you mentioned that your dad um, set up a dark room for you. I, mm-hmm. I, I smiled when you said that. I mean, I could only kind of imagine like that scene, right, of a, of, you know, a young person kind of, I mean, it's, it's a little bit science, you know. I, I, did you feel like you were always attracted to, I don't know if I want to call it post-production, but that kind of behind-the-scenes well, um, aspect the of, of visual medium? It was really the art of it and, and the mechanics of it. I mean, it is a special feeling to take a, a black and white photograph as a kid and um, mess around with chemicals and be in the dark with you know your red light and and just the mystery of it all uh, to see an image uh, present itself in a tray of of solution uh, and for that image to be you know permanent to 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 have a life. Of its own, um, I I connected with the mechanics of it just because it was fun, uh, but more so because I was able to to tell stories with it, and really that's 
what I do. I, I, I tell stories with the camera. You know, so your life after Vermilion, you talked about working in Sioux City kind of, you know, during your, your collegiate experience. Where would you go after Vermilion? Well, um, again, Sherry, uh, my wife, Sherry Tarver-Bearing, and I moved to Milwaukee wh- where she did her master's at Marquette. And I worked at WISN-TV for a short time and then began to do commercials uh, with a commercial company up there. Um, and uh, I would travel all over the country uh, doing commercials. And Sherry finished her master's there at Marquette and then uh, got into the doctoral program over in Madison, Wisconsin. So we lived in Milwaukee, uh, I traveling all the time, doing commercials in Chicago and Miami and New York and all over the place. I mean, it really took off. And um, when Sherry finished her doctoral program there, there was uh, postdoctoral internships that were available um, in various places around the country for her. She applied to several and, and got uh, I think three or four options, and they do it in a strange way, almost like the NBA draft. I mean, there's a, then and we're talking PhD clinical positions in in uh, in, in in clinical settings, um, but basically they put out all the offers to all these doctoral students all over the country, and you have one day to figure out where you want to go and make a decision. And so I was doing a commercial up in Hartford, Connecticut at the time, and uh, we I was in a phone booth, and she said, I got an option uh, here and in Peoria, and uh, actually, ironically, one in Hartford and one in L.A. And so in a matter of about a four-minute phone call, <laughs> we uh, charted our course to decide to go to Los Angeles, uh, n- not knowing a soul out here. Um, so we came out, and her uh, – her, um, Internship has uh, served her quite well. She's now the dean of the College of Education at Cal State Northridge, which is a huge uh, California State University here in L.A. and uh, and I'm directing my my television uh, series all over the place. So we've we've had a good journey you from Vermillion. No, that, you know one thing that you said. I mean. You're talk. You're focused, I guess, on on storytelling. I mean, I think that that's unique to us, and it resonates, I think, with a couple of guys who work in marketing. Um, mm-hmm. That we always, that's always an emphasis to us. I mean, one thing that just from a practical approach. I mean, how can you tell a story in thirty seconds or a minute? I mean, uh, what what goes into the creative process when you're making a commercial like that? And I mean, uh-huh. uh, how how does how does that process, I guess, begin? I, I, maybe is the first question. Um, I I I just see these things. Um, I have an assignment, which is a commercial or uh, years ago, commercials, and I've done many hundreds of commercials. Um, And I just, uh, I, I literally kind of in my body and in my head <laughs> I, I, uh, I visualize this stuff I see the people I see the setting I see that what the light should do I see how they move I see what it is that would tell the story uh, and so it's instinctive as much as anything I think you know do you find yourself as a 
that you grasp onto like a line and then you kind of build from there? Is it a specific image that you um, know you want the payoff to be and okay. then you kind of build around that? Well, in terms of the long form stuff that I've been doing for really for about the last 15 or 20 years, uh, the episodic television, primetime dramas and, and such, it's, it's built around the editorial structure of the scene and, and the overall hour-long episode. Um, I, I, I shoot my movies, which is really what they are these days in, in television. They are, you know, hour-long feature films instead of uh, the way that they used to be. There's been a such a remarkable renaissance in episodic television um, that we... Uh, are right smack dab in the middle of or and is coming evolving and expanding even more now with streaming uh, Netflix and Hulu and and uh, Amazon and so on but what I do in those circumstances in terms of scripts which are which are words on a page essentially people talking and and fundamental uh, abstract and somewhat vague references to where the scene takes place, I, I um, bring it to life. I go and think ahead and scout locations and have my script and, and just pre-visualize the whole thing. Um, I actually conceive of it and, and, sh- and shoot it in my head, sometimes I storyboard things. Frequently, I do uh, action sequences, and I've done a lot of big act, stunt and action sequences. And um, I just basically piece it together in my head how I want it to be seen by an audience. You know, two, three, four months, five months later, uh, on network television. So it's a it's a structural approach, and it's an artistic approach that. Uh, I hope uh, tells a good story about people because ultimately it's the empathy and the sympathy and and the uh, connection uh, to to people that that filmmaking and storytelling is all about. Well, and maybe I should take this as an opportunity to mention you know, some of the credits. Um, you know, Gotham is a show that I know I love. You've been heavily involved with that. Grimm, mm-hmm. Blue Blood, um, mm-hmm. Arrow, CSI New York. You know, with some of these shows like Blue Blood or um, CSI New York, I mean, obviously it's a fictional, you know, d- depiction of a story. How much research do you have to do to get a sense of what the culture of the police might be like in Chicago or to understand some of the scientific concepts that uh, you know criminal investigator might have to use in a murder case. Well, the the idea in all those cases, I mean, there's a there's a continuum, there's a spectrum of uh, storytelling that that you just referenced, um, Gotham and Arrow and uh, The Flash and other shows being on one end of the spectrum and. Blue Bloods and CSI New York and, uh, you know, more uh, stories that are grounded in the real world on the other end of the spectrum. And then there are many that are in between those two extremes. And so part of what I do in terms of, of preparing myself to tell those stories is to figure out where on that narrative continuum uh, these stories reside. Uh, early on in 
in this television series Arrow, uh, which was the first of all of the superhero things that are now on TV, and there's just an avalanche of them. And, in, and long before uh, the Marvel movies came out and all so on, there was Arrow. And part of what I realized about that show is that it was a live-action graphic novel. And so that, in, in literary terms, it was a live-action graphic novel. And and so I be, that pointed me in an artistic direction in terms of how to stage scenes and how to, where to put the camera. And I would do these this photography that had a lot of graphic uh, negative space, open graphic space, uh, a lot of dynamic things with light and camera movement and, and all the things that essentially gave the opportunity for uh, the filmmaking to ultimately end up as a like I said, a live-action graphic novel or a, um, a modern uh, spin on noir uh, filmmaking techniques. Yeah, I love that. I mean, that I didn't even think of that, but when you said it, I mean, it just kind of hits you. That aesthetic of a, of a graphic novel, uh, that's cool. I mean, uh, do you have any other examples of where you've kind of well, blended mediums like that? Sure. I mean, part of what I do, honestly, is I try to figure out uh, when I go into these settings, what is the literary correlation, correlative uh, narrative um, tone of the of the uh, show that I'm doing? And with regard to Blue Bloods, it's it's uh, family-based crime drama, and um, so it has it has a more gritty and uh, authentic to the real world uh, narrative and cinematic and editorial approach to it. Um, I, I very seldom put the camera on the floor <laughs> or do these uh, wild, crazy um, uh, setups on Blue Bloods because they don't really correlate to the narrative uh, and literary domain of the storytelling for Blue Bloods. Um, Gotham uh, is is the story of Batman, and it's the origin story of Batman. And I directed five of those, uh, and and each one is it, it is grounded in the narrative world, which is a fictional world, hyper fictional and hyper uh, um, abstract in some ways of you know Batman as a young boy and how he his moral and social and and uh, emotional evolution into Batman happened and how the young penguin and the young riddler and the young catwoman all these different characters uh what they were like as kids in uh in Gotham City uh, on the streets of Gotham, and, and how they eventually became these arch arch villains. So, in that context, I had uh, a stylistic template um, that was part Christopher Nolan from his Batman um, uh, work, and and but even more uh, the opportunity to just see and express and structure the the cinematic approach 
again, as a live-action graphic novel, but with a whole lot more fun. I mean, uh, Batman and, and Penguin and these characters and the stories and the writing, which was just so masterful on that show, uh, gave me a chance to just have enormous fun with the camera, and, and the acting was at such an extraordinarily high uh, level that, um, honestly, it was just... It was just enormous fun to create uh, the five episodes that I did for them. You know, I, I'm curious, what happens when you get in a creative rut? I mean, do you go take a walk outside? Do you go do your dishes? I mean, is there a way, is there a practice that you've been able to find yourself when you're in kind of one of those moods and you're not feeling altogether creative that you can kind of shift yourself back into it? Or is it very much like, hey, you like the muse might hit you at two o'clock in the morning and that's when that's when you need to get the notepad out and start scratching notes to yourself. How, well, how does the creative process work like that for you? Um, in part, it's, it's a, the answer is kind of hard to articulate. Um, <clears throat> in terms of the commercial work that I do, it's all about telling the story and telling the story from the vantage point of the, com- of the character and making sure that, that the actor uh, and the crew and the cast and, you know, this really enormous machine that it takes to actually create something like that, that it all flows and has a, a, a comfort and uh, an ease and a sense of fun and, and sort of liberating opportunity uh, to create this stuff. And so in terms of, the, of, of how I do that, it's it's both a mechanical um, and instinctive practice of trying to figure out just how to do too much work in too little time, <laughs> and uh, and also, like I said before, backing into the editorial structure of how the whole thing is going to be edited together and seen on TV by an audience. Um, so it, it, it's really, in some respects, a chance to solve a creative problem. You uh, essentially lay out through a script uh, a a creative challenge, a creative problem, a creative opportunity, and and my uh, job and 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 craft is to solve that in a way that, with a finite amount of money and time, uh, I can deliver a product that everyone is um, is happy with at the studio and the network and that I am. Uh, and that the actors are. You know, so. I, I want to switch directions a little bit, and mm-hmm. I definitely want to ask you what you know some of your favorite projects are. Are there any you know particular, I don't know, television shows or movies um, that you really liked when you were young that, that really inspired you? Well, uh, yes, um, in some ways. Um, I think first of all, The Wizard of Oz <laughs> was. Uh, you know, a cultural, uh, the, one of the cultural cornerstones of, in, in our country uh, and always has been and always will be. Um, but for me, part of what I remember responding to in that movie was, was Dorothy, of course, and her, uh, and her Toto, but the journey that she went on and, and the, the characters and the characteristics that she ran across, which were 
someone who needed uh, brains and heart and courage. Uh, those three, I mean, that as a, a, a journey towards her wholeness and her journey home uh, was something that struck me as, as uh, I don't know, I understood it somehow. I was really interested in how, how Frank Elbaum and, and, frankly, uh, Victor Fleming, who directed not only <laughs> Gone with the Wind, but The Wizard of Oz in the same year, 1939, the same director for both films. Um, so so th The Wizard of Oz, for one. Um, there was a Disney film, a very obscure Disney film called Toby Tyler when I was a little kid, and, and uh, we would go to the movies for 15 cents at the little movie theater in Canton, and Toby Tyler was a kid on a farm uh, who, when the circus came to town, he um, he ran away and joined the circus and had all these adventures. And his best friend was uh, one of the great big, heavy weightlifter guys, and uh, and all the adventures that he had. And and somehow that movie <laughs> struck me and as uh, a way to or or an example of someone who. Uh, struck out on his own and went off and, and lived a life of adventure and and indeed that's what what I have done. I'm I was just like, going to say that that must have gotten to, into your DNA a little bit. Yeah, well, it 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 expressed what I already was thinking, uh, and it, and it was just it's one of the classic. I mean, it's really old and frankly somewhat obscure, but it, it was I remember that movie. Um, and then other films along the way have inspired me and and, and uh, been revelations in terms of the craft of filmmaking and directing. Um, but uh, those two were very early were ones that uh, that woke up something inside me and and. Uh, connected with my instinct for storytelling. Well, are there any projects that maybe you just kind of reflect on in your career and you think kind of sum up, you know, what you've been able to accomplish or, yeah. or projects that you're maybe most proud of? In the company that I was with doing commercials, we also did main titles for TV shows. And um, we did Sequest and other uh, main titles. And one of the ones that we were doing was a Western called The Lazarus Man. Um, I had done a CBS School Break special uh, just before that called My Indian Summer, which was very much uh, a part of my uh, love and uh, reverence for the Native American culture in South Dakota. I also have an adopted sister, Tabby, who is uh, Lakota Sioux Indian, and um, I have always uh, been felt connected to the Native American uh, culture, as I say. Uh, coming to Los Angeles, doing commercials, and then this main title for The Lazarus Man, uh, I had all these crazy lighting and and uh, uh, vignettes set up uh, where Robert Urich, who was the star of the show, came from Santa Fe where he was shooting, flew in and, and did about four hours worth of work with me, and I did probably about 15 different images. And at the end of it, he came up to me and said, wow, that was really something. Have you ever thought about doing episodic TV? And literally that had always been my dream. I have all, That's always what I had dreamed of and aspired to do. 
And so I said, yes, absolutely. And he said, well, why don't you come and do an episode of my show? So um, I went to Santa Fe and did uh, an episode of The Lazarus Man for Robert. And it turned out really well. And uh, the studio loved it and the network loved it. And and I went right back immediately and did another one. Um, and really, the, the 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 big for me the big transition or the big uh, aha moment uh, was realizing that in that venue that uh, the 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 time frame and the ambition and the technical approach that you have to have and the the preparation and and pre-visualization and all of those things i knew already knew how to do i i had an aptitude for it and i went in uh really never having done anything quite like that before and and executed and and made a movie um for them well and i wanted to ask i mean how much did you feel that your background behind the camera um helped you in your role as like a director well enormously i mean i know what everybody on the crew does. I know how to do their job and I, and I respect and, and I understand what they, how they can help me do my job better. So part of what I do as a director is I'm constantly moving around, circulating, staying very close to the camera, but also, you know, finding one or two or three or four people that I can laugh with and, and joke with sort of constantly and uh, just, you know, generate sort of positive energy on the set. And whether that's the craft service guy or the dolly grip or a camera operator or the boom man, um, I, I always try to find one or two or three allies that I can just be goofy and laugh with and have fun. And um, the mechanics of creating these kinds of things are things that I that I learned in, from doing commercials, but also realized uh, when doing the Lazarus Man that I had just an instinctive understanding of how to go about doing it. You know, I don't know. I I, I hesitate saying this, but I feel like maybe Hollywood gets a bad rap, right? I mean, it, are there any misconceptions that you would? want to dispel if you had the opportunity. I mean, what, what is it like actually working in that environment? Well, um, it's complicated. <laughs> uh, what I have done is try very hard to remain true to myself and to be the kid from South Dakota uh, who somehow made it in Hollywood and is and is working at this high level and and I never take it for granted. Um, I don't take anything for granted. And and so part of what I what I learned about doing that is to authentically be yourself and and to be nice. To, to bring my Midwestern values, my work ethic, my Scandinavian work ethic with me. Um, I, I do my homework. I'm fully prepared. I'm ready. Um, and, I, and I work very hard at being very nice to people uh, like we are in the Midwest and in South Dakota. Um, we 
are sensitive to other people's feelings, and we respect people for their contributions and their hard work and who they are. And uh, so I find that that I bring that to the table, uh, and that has served me very well. It, it, this is a complicated uh, jungle out here, and everybody's got a different point of view and a different journey that they've taken in order to get here. And some people go about it in exactly the other uh, way, but I've found for me um, just drawing upon my roots as a Midwestern, Scandinavian, hardworking uh, Norwegian kid uh, that has served me very well. well. One thing that is is quite interesting, and it happens all the time. Um, people come up to me, actors usually, and or some crew members or people in general when I'm in New York or Vancouver or you know wherever I am working. They'll often come up and say, you know, you're different on how you do this. I mean, I really am very respectful and, and polite and enthusiastic and positive. And they say, you're different. Where, where are you from? And I, I'll say, South Dakota. And they'll blink for a moment, and uh, frequently that'll be the very first time that any of them have ever actually thought about South Dakota. <laughs> and then they'll say, oh, yeah, They'll say, oh, yeah, Fargo. And I'll say, no, Fargo's in North Dakota. That's a different state, actually. Uh, you know, And this kind of actually transitioned into the next question I wanted to ask you, and, and you may have already answered it, but I, what advice would you give someone who is from the Midwest or is just getting into, you know, videography or photography? I mean, I, obviously there's no set path. You can't just, you know take this job, it'll lead you to this. I mean, what advice would you offer them? Well, um, create. Just do it. I mean, we are now in an era of where you can buy for, you know, four or five, six hundred dollars, you can buy a camera that you can make a feature film with. Um, you can post it on YouTube. You can create, do videos and music videos and make little movies on uh, Vimeo. I mean, the the world of social media and and the venues of streaming and all of the different opportunities that are there now that weren't there before, uh, short films um, are an excellent way to pursue uh, a career in in whatever the future of this of this medium is going to be and it's going to change drastically over the next few years i'm i'm quite sure um so i i would say just do it to borrow from uh, nike's marketing and branding campaign um go for it do it and and trust your dreams uh aspire uh think big dream big and remain positive. Uh, assume the best of people and of what you can do. 
out in the world and and just go for it. You know, the, the last question I wanted to ask you, and this is one that we usually ask all of our guests, and it's a little bit philosophical in nature, and so you may have already touched on some of these subjects, mm-hmm. but yeah, like I said, you've lived just, I think, such an interesting life, such an interesting career. Um, I love that, you know, you're able to create. I think that that's such a fulfilling aspect when you're able to do that professionally. You know, at this point in your life, what do you know for sure? <laughs> Uh, what do I know for sure? Well, I know for sure that family is the only thing that really matters. Um, I know that life is a gift, and to not take one moment of it for granted. Um, I know that hard work pays off. I know that uh, that good things happen to good people. And that karma is a very real thing, and uh, and if you're nice to others, uh, they'll be nice to you. I mean, I think I know for sure that the golden rule is true: uh, do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. And I think that is really what it all boils down to. Um, so, those are a, f- a few things that I know for sure. John, thank you so much for joining us today. You bet. I, it was a lot of fun. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Credit Hour, a weekly thought-provoking conversation with the brightest minds from the University of South Dakota. Listening is 100% of the grades. We hope you enjoyed the episode. 